0: well good morning we are in part number four of a four-part series called give it up next week we began a brand new series as we're talking about what happens when it's a three-week series and we're gonna look at three giant questions that we have what happens when I get saved what does that mean what's going on there when that happens what happens when I get saved what happens when I die that is an enormous question you want surprisingly God gives us some answers there and we're gonna look at those what happens when I get saved what happens when I die, and then what happens when I blow it? When I mess up big time, when I really, 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 really blow it, what happens? We're gonna talk about that. Three big questions in a three week series. So just it, that'll be a great opportunity for you to invite somebody to be with you. Um, we're gonna answer those starting with the first one and move through those each of the weeks. But today, we're wrapping up this series called Give It Up. And with the help of the guy who wrote The Purpose of Different Church and with the help of Stuck Harvest Church, we're going to kind of take a look at how we can kind of wind this series up. If you have missed any of these weeks, I would encourage you to go get that off of soundcloud.com. Look, at, look for Harley Petty. Um, there's information about that in the worship guide how to get there and listen to those and also jump over to our blog because we talked about i think about four or five steps maybe four four steps we talked about on the blog that we didn't even mention in here so if you'll go listen to that and then incorporate the blog and the blog is at stuckartharvestchurch.org.org and that will get you that information because what we're talking about today is kind of concluding this so what happens here when we say, you know what, we have all this stuff that are, that is in our past and some of it we're still dealing with right now, just a lot of junk. Sometimes it's things we have done, decisions we have made and we are suffering the consequences from those decisions. And sometimes it's a decision that someone else has made and we are suffering from consequences that they have created. Either way, it creates junk in our life, I mean junk for us and hurt for us and pain for us and if you were to take all of these things that have happened in the past, even old things that we have have walked away from, all of these things kind of add up to some really big pain, and that would ask us or lead us to ask this question to God, God why, why would you allow that pain? To come into my life. If you know how hurtful it is and you know about this junk, why would you let that happen to me? Why? And part of that answer is this God has given us the free choice, a free will, the ability to choose. He's given us that. Because the Bible tells us in Genesis, you and I, Adam and Eve, we are made in the image of God. And part of that image is we get to choose. We get to make choices for ourselves. We get to choose. That's one way that we're like God. We get to choose right or wrong. We get to choose good or bad. We get to choose evil or we get to choose life. Listen to how God words this in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19. This is really cool. It's God kind of speaking here to his nation of Israel. He says, today I have given you the choice between life and death. He said, you have a choice. You get to choose. It's free will between blessings and curses. And then he says this. He gives them a charge. He says, now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you will make. He said, here's the choice. You have to make it. And then he says, oh, that you would choose life. That's what I want you to choose. Oh, that you would choose life so that your descendants might live. God says this, you can reject me or you can accept me and love me. It's your choice. I will give you that choice. Why? I think part of that is that God just didn't want a bunch of puppets running around just doing everything he said and doing it with no thought. In other words, how can you really say that you love someone unless you have the possibility to not love them? How can you really say that you're good if you, unless you have the possibility to be bad? See, free will, the, the ability to choose, it, it's a blessing, it's a good thing. But it, it's also it's also a burden. Because if you're like me, we make some pretty dumb decisions sometimes. And those dumb choices can cause all kinds of pain and all kinds of consequences in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. So it's good that I can choose, but it's also kind of bad because I I frequently can choose the wrong thing. So if I choose to experiment with drugs and I get addicted that's my fault. I made the choice. If I choose to be sexually promiscuous and I get a disease, that's my fault because I would have made that choice. And God says, yes, I don't want that pain in your life. That's not what I would choose for you. I don't want you to have it, but it's part of the package that comes with free will with being able to choose. Now, here's the thing, though. Not only does God give you that ability, that, that wonderful privilege and burden of free will, of choice, but he gives it to everyone else also. And that can be a problem because they can make choices that you have to pay for. And they can make choices that hurt you. And they can make choices that you have to live with. I, I mean, some of you have been deeply, deeply hurt by someone very close to you some of you have been hurt by a spouse or a teacher or a friend or a relative. God could have actually prevented that from happening. He could have stopped it. He could have not allowed it. All he would have had to have done to do that is just to take away that person's free will and just not let them make that choice. He could have done that. But you know what? If he had done that, then to be fair, he would have had to take away your free will too and your ability to choose as well. So you see the dilemma that we have here. The, The problem is that by having this free will, free choice, we have a great blessing, a wonderful thing there, but it's also a curse because God is saying, I'm not going to overrule your will. He says, I love you and I want you to be part of my family. But if you look at God and you say, forget it, I'm out of here, God's going to let you walk out the door. And then if that's the case, we can't then blame anybody else. We made the choice. So why has God allowed that pain in my life? Part of the reason is because of free will. But there's another part too, I think. The other part is that God can use that pain in our lives to to actually get our attention. Now I'm not saying that God's causing all the pain in your life. I mean, He could if He wanted to. He could cause some. But what I'm saying is He takes that pain that's there and He can use it to get our attention. It's kind of like uh, pain is kind of like a warning light in your body. When something is hurting, it's your body saying... Pay attention to that. I mean, warning, something's going on there. You're having pain in your side, something's going on. You just don't have pain for no reason. Something's happening. Warning, be careful, watch out. Pay attention to that. Figure that out. And when you have pain in your life, it's a warning sign saying pay attention here something's going on the pain is not the problem something's going on in there that's what is the problem your depression when you're depressed depression that's not the problem there's something going on there and it's saying pay attention watch out take take notice here when you have anxiety The anxiety is not the problem, there's something going on there and it's your life saying, pay attention here, take notice, be aware. The same thing is true when we have relational pain and social pain and emotional pain. It's our life saying, something is wrong, pay attention, don't just sweep it away, don't just ignore it, don't just sleep through it, don't just try to medicate yourself through this. Something is wrong. Listen to, to the wise verse here, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 30. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Don't we know it? I mean, we don't change when it makes sense to change. I mean, when somebody lays something out and says, here, this makes sense, this is more logical, do it this way, do it that we don't change. Most most often we just ignore that and just keep doing things the way we've been doing them. Most often we don't change until we begin to experience pain and discomfort. Sometimes it takes the pain just to get us going, just to get us motivated to change. Paul writes about this, and Paul is whom I consider probably, in my opinion, the most amazing follower of Jesus to have ever lived. I mean, he was amazing. I look at him and say, I my life will never be like his. I already know I'll never be like Jesus. I can't even be like Paul. But listen to how Paul analyzes his life. This is amazing to be, very transparent. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9. He says... Now I'm glad, not that you were upset, but that you were jarred into turning things around. He said, you were, this pain, I'm not celebrating that you had pain in your life. He's saying, but I'm glad it was there. Because it was there, it motivated you to do something about it, to do something different. It says, you let distress bring you to God not drive you away from him and the result, because you you allowed it to drive you to God, the result was all gain and no loss. That's what he said. He's saying pain will get your attention and God can use that pain to get your attention. Now, I'm not saying he causes it. Now he can, but that's not what we're saying. He's just saying when you have pain, he's going to use that to get your attention. Remember maybe the story of Jonah? Um, Jonah is the guy we talk about, Jonah and the big fish, Jonah and the whale. You've heard that story perhaps. And so Jonah, God said, I want you to go this direction and do this for me. And Jonah said, okay, great. And he ran the other way and literally jumped on a ship and sailed the other way, sailed away from God in the Mediterranean. That's what he did. So they, things happen, and he ends up, they throw him overboard, because it's like, okay, you've really blown this. They throw him overboard. So God arranges a rescue ship for him, and, and a, a, probably the most amazing Mediterranean cruise ever in the world, and he's swallowed by this giant fish, guts and all, and he's just in there, and his life is fading away and some would even argue that in this experience jonah actually dies in this experience just his life is slipping away and listen to what happens because he was not listening to god until he experienced enough pain in jonah chapter 2 verse 7 as my life was slipping away i remembered the lord I mean, that's what it took. It took the very end. It took the very bottom experience. The rock, you've heard people say, he just hadn't hit rock bottom. For Jonah, it took the fish bottom experience to get there. And he says, I remember the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. God uses pain. He can use it to get our attention. Why do we have it? Well, sometimes it's just free will. But you know what he can do with the pain while we have it? He can use it to get our attention. So we can admit, Harley, yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense that we have pain because I have made choices and blown it, and uh, there have been consequences. And other people have made choices and blown it, and they have had consequences. And some of those consequences have even affected me. Yes, it makes sense that we have pain. Yes, I can also say, Harley, yes, it makes sense that, that... god can use that pain to get my attention because i kind of snapped it i'm like what's going on and i he uses it to get my attention okay but what are we going to do with it i mean we've got the pain and we can say yes it's there but now what i mean i have a lifetime of pain behind me and even with me right now possibly you might say what am i going to do with it okay okay you got my attention Okay, yes, we can see. My fault, their fault. Yes, it's there. But what am I going to do with it? So let's talk about that. We're going to suggest a couple things here for you today to do with the pain. And here's the first thing. Because we may just need to take that pain and, and depend upon God to help us learn something from that pain. Now, let's go back to Paul, and he's being very transparent here, and listen to what he says. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. The guy that I would say was maybe the, the most amazing Christ follower, the strongest Christ follower, in my opinion. Listen to what he says, though. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. I'm going to start kind of in the middle of that verse. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability. To endure. In other words, Paul is saying what we experienced, I gave it everything I had. I took all of my Christ-following experience and what I knew, what I had learned, and I tried to deal with this, and it wasn't enough. I mean, it took everything I had, and then I was still short. I still did not know how to deal with this. He said, And we thought we would never live through it. He thought, I am dead. This is over. This is done for me. I'm gone. Verse 9, in fact, we expected to die. But as a result, here's what happened now. This is how this pain changed. As a result, we stopped relying on ourselves, and we learned to rely only on on God who by the way raises the dead. Now if we got to rely upon somebody I would say that, that would be where we need to rely. Verse 10 and He, it says here and He did rescue us from mortal danger and He will rescue us again. We've placed our confidence in Him and He will continue to rescue us. You see Paul is saying, you don't know that you need God until God is all you have. Until you have exhausted every way of dealing with this. You can't medicate this away. You can't sleep this away. You can't drink this away. You can't ignore this away and sweep it away and get angry with everyone around you. To make it go away, he said, until you have exhausted everything you try to throw at it and you still come up short and you end up at the bottom, until God is all you have left, you don't know how much you need God. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I couldn't solve this, but I know that God will walk me through it. I can't say that it's going to be a happy ending, but God will be there with me through it. Listen to what the warrior poet said, Psalm 119 and verse 71. He said, it was good that I had to suffer in order to learn your laws. The truth is, some things we will only learn through pain. Sometimes it's just the only way we learn. The, pet, the, 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 the paint is wet, right? We touch it, the stove is hot. How hot? So we touch it. Some things we're just going to learn. Pain is often often the greatest teacher. So what do we do with that pain? Maybe we need to say, God, I need you to help me learn from it. God, I need your help. You know what else that pain is going to do for you? All that junk that's back there in the past, maybe you've walked away from it, but it's its back there and you know it's now part of your story. What are you going to do with it? You see, when we go through something very painful, whether we caused it or whether someone else caused it, it doesn't matter. When we go through it, The experience of going through that pain makes us humble, it makes us sympathetic, it makes us sensitive to others around us who are going through something similar to that. And today, the big step we're talking about today, that's what this is all about, yielding, giving yourself up to God in order to help somebody else, to help other people. And the truth is, pain prepares you to serve. Pain prepares you to love other people. Why does God do that? Well, Paul gives us an idea. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. He said, he, speaking of God, he comforts us in all of our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. You see, everybody in your life And everybody in this room, everybody around you at work and at school and in your life, everybody needs some kind of help, some kind of recovery. They either need emotional recovery or they need physical recovery or they need spiritual recovery or they need relational recovery because of relational problems. Because every single one of us have hurts and we have hang-ups. Nobody is perfect and that means we all need help. And who is the best person to help someone who's an alcoholic? I'm going to suggest it's someone who has been through alcoholism and who has faced that. Who is the best person? person to help someone deal with abuse in their life and I'm going to suggest it's the person in this room who has gone through and dealt with and is dealing with recovering from being abused. Who is the best person to help a child, to help a, a family who has a child who is, is just losing, they've lost control. I'm going to suggest it's the person in this room who has a child who has lost control. You see, if we take all of that hurt that we have experienced and we keep that hurt to ourselves, we are just wasting that hurt. For workaholics, I'm a workaholic. I have spent the most part of my life, the biggest part, the vast majority of my life working 15 plus hours a day. I don't do that on a regular basis any longer. But that has been the vast majority of my life. And listen, I'm just telling you, it destroyed my life. And who is the best person to encourage someone, to love someone, to help someone who is placing their work and their career above every single thing in their life. It would be someone who has done the same thing. I I have experienced in my life deep life-threatening, life-potentially-ending depression. And who would be someone who could help and encourage someone who is facing deep, life-ending depression? It might be someone like me. There's this amazing story in the Bible. story of a guy named Joseph. Joseph was a pretty good guy. I mean, just really a pretty good guy. Yeah, he had, he had some had some issues, made his brothers really mad at him in the Bible and they so mad that they wanted to kill him but instead of killing him instead they said let's just get rid of him and they sold him into slavery Now, now he was now a slave had no family now he was a slave had no country now he was sent away he was no longer a son to his father a brother to his brother's He was now just a slave. He didn't deserve that. They made a decision and he had to live with the consequences. And he had a life of had some ups as a slave, had some, but he remained a slave as a slave had some ups and then he would have some downs and bad things happen again, things he didn't deserve that were thrust upon him. And now he finds himself in prison, didn't deserve it. I mean, if anybody could point around and say, listen, this is I did not deserve to be here. This is how my life, my life was not supposed to turn out like this. This is not my fault. Sometimes it is our fault, but in this case for Joseph, it was not his fault. But that's where he was. So, more amazing things happened you know what he he gets out of prison he ends up being into the story he ends up being the second man in command of the place where he was a slave of the entire nation of Egypt second in command pretty amazing it's an amazing story you should go read it it's so amazing then he has this moment where his brothers show up and he's second in command and they are needing him for food they have no food they're afraid when they find out that's Joseph because they're like, he, he can kill us. And anyone would have looked at that story and said, Joseph, yeah, you really should kill him. The way they treated you, what they did to you, that was wrong. You can never get back all of those years of your life that they stole. You can never get it back. They deserve to die. But Joseph looked at them, and here's what he said to them. This was amazing to me. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. You intended to harm me, and they did. They wanted to steal from him life. They wanted to to get back at him. They want, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He said, God, God took this mess and did something good with it. And then look what he said. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And I want you, my friends, I want you to know this. God is bigger than those people who have hurt you. God is bigger. No matter what they've done, no matter what has happened, God can somehow turn that around into something good because God never ever, ever wastes a hurt. But you can waste a hurt if you don't learn from it and you don't share it with other people. How can other people be encouraged or blessed or led towards some healing if you don't share your problems with them? If you don't tell them what you have dealt with and what God has drug you out of, what God has walked you through, how can you encourage them if you don't tell them? So here's our bottom line today. It says, I'm going to yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others by both my example and my words. God wants to use your experiences to help other people. God wants to use you to help other people. He wants to recycle the pain you have experienced in order to turn it into something good so that you help someone else. You see, usually we think, well, God wants to to use people who are gifted and people who are really talented. That's what, and, and you look at that and you say, well, God, I could never do that what they're doing i can't do that but that's not true god is as not as interested i believe in your strengths as he is interested in your weaknesses because i think people are honestly helped when you are honest about your weakness if you share your strength, they look at that and they say, well, you did a great job. You're talented. I can't do that. But if you share with them your weaknesses and how you've hurt and what you've come through and your habits and your hangups that God is rebuilding you from, then, then you know what they look at? They look at and say, well, God can help you. He can help me. If God can do that for you, he can do it for me. So... I'm going to yield myself to God, to be used, to bring this good news, to bring it to other people by both my example and my words. Now when you understand this, when you understand that God wants to use your weaknesses, the pain that you've had in life, your life is going to take on a whole new meaning. Meaning. When you begin to practice this step, do you know how we know? That you're really moving forward and getting better and, and giving it up. Do you know how we know? When you begin to take your eyes off yourself and your pain and your hurt and you put them on somebody else, that means you're really beginning to recover and get better. When you stop being absorbed by the pain you have experienced or are experiencing... Because when we're looking at our pain, our world becomes about us. It's all me. It's all my pain. Everything out here revolves around that. I'm concentrating on me, my pain, my hurt. But when we lift our eyes off of ourselves and begin to place them on the people around us, and we begin to say, how can I help them? What can I do for them? Then it is proof that we are beginning to recover. We're beginning to get better we're not just focusing what has, on what has happened to us so you may ask okay Harley well how, how do I use my pain then to help other people and that's what this final step that we're talking about today is all about it's clearly stated in first Peter chapter 3 verse 15 but respect Christ as the Holy Lord in your heart so he's saying do this first and then he says this always Be ready to answer everyone who asks to explain about the hope that you have. He said, always be ready to explain why you have this hope. Why, when you experienced all of this junk, you still have hope. Be ready to explain. Be prepared to give an answer. How did you make it through this? How are you recovering? Be prepared. So here's some suggestions for you. Perhaps you need to make a list of everything you can think of. Yes, I know another list. We've been full of lists in this series. But make another list of everything you've experienced, all the positive, good things, and even all the junk and bad things. Make a list. And then here's what you do, item by item, point by point. You ask, what did I learn from this? This point here on my list, what did I learn from that? And then ask the question, God, how how did you help me through that? Or how did you use that pain to draw me to you? What, What happened here? Ask God, how did you walk me through this? And as you begin to answer those questions for each one of these things, then just simply write down your story. Because somehow as we begin to write down our story, Everything begins to untangle. These thoughts begin to untangle as we put them down on paper. Write down your story and then ask yourself this question. Who could best benefit from hearing my story? Who could best benefit from hearing this, what I just wrote down? And the answer is this. It's the people who are going through that right now. The people who are struggling with that right now, they're just a little behind you in the process. Those are the people that need to hear this. And then you say to God, God, okay, I, I am available. And then get ready. Get ready. Get ready to share the good news of how God walked you through that. The good news about how God will walk them through that if they will just give themselves to him. Be ready to share. And then share. You will have the chance, the opportunity. Because there are people who need to hear your story all over this room, all over this area, all over these counties. There are people that need to hear be ready and as you tell them be humble because we're all in the same boat we've blown it they've blown it be humble when you tell your story because it's not about you you are not the hero of your story Jesus Christ is be humble be real Be honest about your hurts and about your feelings and about your faults. Be grateful. I am so grateful that we're part of a church family where we can be honest to say we are not perfect and God has taken us from all kinds of junk and he's not finished with me yet. I'm thankful that we can be honest. And don't lecture them. You're not trying to teach them, you're sharing from your experience how you have hurt and how God is changing you. We're going to ask you to do four things as a result of what we've talked about today. Here's four action steps for you to take. Here's the first one. This one's not for everyone. Some of you have not yet given your lives to Christ to say, God, you can have this life. It belongs to you. And this morning we're asking you, if you're ready, take that step. Here's what it means. It means you recognize that when Jesus died on the cross that he died for you and he died for me. He died for all of us because we have made our decisions our way and they haven't been God's way. We've blown it. The Bible calls that sin and someone had to pay the price for that sin and God himself volunteered to pay that price. Now he will allow you to pay that price if you want to reject him. But he said, I've done it for you if you will simply just give me your life. When he died on the cross, he paid a price. And that means once he paid that price he has purchased you. And he's waiting on you to just simply say, God this life you bought it when you died on the cross. And then when you rose again three days later you defeated death for me. You bought this life It's yours. You can have it. I have been making my decisions my way, but I'm giving my life to you, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to consult you. I'm going to try to live my life following you because you purchased my life. If you have said that, if you have not said that, my challenge to you is this morning, this very moment, in your heart right now, say, Jesus, you bought my life. You died on the cross for me, and you can have it. I'm giving it to you, and if you're making that decision, do this. You need to tell somebody, and Here's how. On the back of your connection card, there's a place for you to mark before, in just a moment, before you put it in the bucket, a place for you to mark that says, I'm choosing to become a follower of Jesus, a Christ follower. Mark that box. And then there's some information that says, please pick this up. Do that as you leave today. Will you mark that and put it in the giving bucket today? Now, these next three steps are something that we're asking everyone to do. Here they are. Here's number two. We're going to ask you to write out your story. Just write it out the way we just described a moment ago. Write out your story. If you don't have anyone to tell that to, then send it to me in an email. I promise you I will read it. Write out your story. But then you have it ready. You have it ready to share. So write out your story. And you have it ready. Here's the third thing. We're asking you to commit yourself to a church family for support. Commit yourself to a church family. If it's not Stuttgart Harvest Church, that's okay. I mean, we would love it to be, but if it's not us, that's okay. Commit yourself to a local church family, one that you can show up to every Sunday, every week, face to face with other people. We're so used to hiding from people and pushing people out of our lives. We're saying, show up local, face to face. And if it's not here, somewhere, my desire would be, as, as I talk to you, for you not to describe this church and say, Harley, I love your church. You know what my desire is? My desire is that you would say, Harley, I love this church. This is my church. And I'm going to invest my life here with these people every week. This is my church. And then we're going to ask you the last thing here. Ask God to give you somebody that you can share your story with. The good news. The good news of how God is moving you through, walking you through, taking you through this pain. And it's all because God started because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And That's why we can take it to him in the first place. There's some people in your lives that will never be caught dead in a church, not even one that meets in a movie theater. And so your story may be the only key, the only connection that maybe one day could help them connect with God. It might be your story, not in this room, outside of this room where you're living. God wants you to use your story. We don't need any more TV evangelists. We have, there's enough of those guys. We need you. We need your story, normal people, not even people, weird people like me. We need normal people like you telling your story of how God is taking you through your pain. Once you step across the line and you choose to become a believer, a follower of Jesus, a Christ follower, you know, why didn't God just take you to heaven immediately? Wouldn't it be a whole lot better to just kind of end all that? And He said, oh, I got you. Let's go. No, he leaves you here for a very important purpose because you are here to share your story with other people very specifically. That's why you're here. And you don't have to be a biblical genius to do it. You just say, this is what happened to me. There's power in that kind of story. You don't even have to know where the verses are in the Bible. You don't have to know. You just simply say, this is my story. This is what happened to me. This is my experience. Listen to what they said in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. It says, But my life is worth nothing unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. And here's that work the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God and that is your work that is my work too the work of telling other people the good news of his love and his kindness how he'll walk us through life and into eternity if we connect our lives with him and I I unapologetically tell you there is no greater accomplishment in life than that there's no greater thing that you can invest your life in than that It is far superior to any career that we could ever be in. It's far superior to any uh, hobby or any Saturday activity or anything in life that we could do. This is so far superior to anything we can do. Can you imagine getting to heaven one day and looking into the face of Jesus and him saying, I am so glad that you are here. Now tell me, who did you bring with you? Can you imagine being in heaven 70 years from now? Years from this day. And somebody walks up to you in heaven and they say, "Listen, I just want to thank you. And you're like, thank me? To, do I know you? And they're like, no, you don't know me. But you're one of those people... One of those pioneer people at Stuttgart Harvest Church. I mean, y'all were meeting in the movie theater before you ever had your own building. Uh, you, You were going there and you were praying and you were part and you were giving so that the church could do what they needed to do. You gave your time and you gave your money. You sat in that movie theater. You, you were one of the early ones. You sat there when it was empty, and you sat there when it was full and crowded, and you sat there sometimes when it was so hot that you wanted the people beside you to just leave. You sat there when the air conditioner didn't work or when it dripped on you. You sat there through all of that mess. And 50 years after you died, 50 years, I went to Stuttgart Harvest Church. They, they had their own building. By then, they had their own building, and guess what? It was crowded too. It was packed. They were squeezing in there. I mean, they built bigger than they needed, but they were squeezing in there because more and more people just like me came and they showed up. And I'm thanking you because you were one of the early ones that made it happen. You know what? I'm thanking you because you also had the foresight as a church to not just be satisfied with what you were doing in this area but you had the foresight to start another church and another church in other places all for the purpose of connecting people to Jesus I'm thanking you now my friend do you think it would be worth it I make no apology that you being involved in that, accomplishing that is far greater than anything we can ever accomplish in our careers. It will outlast our hunting. It will outlast our river time. It will outlast every story that we can ever tell about our softball and our baseball. I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm saying this deserves such focus in your life because it is ever. Lasting, and there are people that God has placed you specifically here to tell your story to, to help lovingly, slowly walk them into His grace from darkness to light. And when that person becomes your friend. You have a friend for not just today, for eternity, because Jesus used your story. I'm challenging you to take this step with me. I'm going to yield myself to be used by God to bring this good news to others by both my example and my words. Let's pray. God, you told us in Genesis that what other people intended to harm me with, what other people intended for evil and hurt and pain, God, you can take that and reverse it and use it for good. And you have brought us in our lives to these very positions where we can see other lives saved. Because we share our story as you've asked us to do. And life, uh, God, God, may we get to the point in our life where we say this same thing about ourselves, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Your wonderful grace, oh God. And it is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.